you know, almost on parallel paths academically and everything. And yet I, I never opened the report cards. I'm like, these are not my grades. They're your grades. I would hand it to them. And they'd say, mom, well, don't you want to see other parents? You know, and I never rewarded or anything. Why am I rewarding? I mean, like you're just doing your job, right? Like, so I, I would say they would get excited about a grade and I would say that's so great, but I never put the emphasis on the result. And that's what was so interesting. I'm like, you're there to learn. If you, if you start to enjoy the learning, you will be an excellent student. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Joanna Chanis here with me. She is an author. She is the creator of the Mindset Mentor Method, uh, which she got through after being a cancer survivor where she helps individuals and corporations uh, be able to make more money, be able to do it with less stress. And uh, she has also been a leader in the, uh, in the field for women leadership and uh, among many other things. And so I'm very excited to talk to her about this today because this is how we're going to be able to help our young people. She has a specific skill set uh, around resilience and, uh, and how to help our young people who experience loss catapult into a more productive life and holistic life. And so with that, welcome to the show, Joanna. Wow. Thank you for the introduction. I'm so happy to be here, but you forgot <laughs> my most important role in life is I'm a mom. Mama. Yeah. I'm I just thought that too. I know. Yeah. Uh, so you have two I'm girls, you have two yeah. girls and you, I think you said 19 and what was, how old was the other one? So I have a 19 year old and a 17 year old. I have a freshman in college and I've got one waiting to hear back from schools right now. And um, that is really my, you know, that's my work, right? And yeah. that's, that's really what uh, is the foundation and the purpose for everything. Uh, and uh, incredible. I love that. I mean, what, an what an exciting time uh, to be waiting on those envelopes, right? I guess they're emails these days. I don't show my age, but uh, they might still sell out a letter. I don't know. But uh, well, they're wait. both. They're both. <laughs> and, it was, and it was interesting. Uh, the reason why I was able to refine and like get my method down pat was going through the college application process with my oldest daughter last year. That's how I solidified everything. I needed to come up with something that I knew worked to help her through the most stressful, incredibly challenging time in her life. And so I took all the tools I had learned from healing from cancer and I just wanted to help my kid. I, that, that was really it. I wanted to help my kid. You know, as every parent that, that um, is on here listening knows, like there's no, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. And 
I literally could not stand to watch her suffer. And I'm like, I know what to do here. I know what to do. So I took everything that I had learned and I had already put in my book and I adjusted it and I presented it to her in different, in a different way. And I'm happy to say it worked. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was just thinking about that, that I love that you took an approach to solve it. It's so funny to me that I remember being in that kind of age or even younger as a kid and like, it was like, Oh, what are you worried about? You know, wait till you get in the real world or wait, way harder, way ahead. But at that age, you need to be, I, I look at it like you need to be more empathetic and say, you know what, that is their world right now. Your, your, you know, need to pay the mortgage is no more stressful at 35 than they're waiting on a college entry to see where they're going to go at 17 to, did I make the team at 12? Like that's their world at that point. And so that stress ball, yeah, there are different consequences because as you get older, you understand that, but I don't feel like it's more or less important to them at that time. And we need to be a little more empathetic in that area. Well said. And our, what we did doesn't matter yes. because it's a different world. It's a different time. It's, it's over. Like our version of our childhood and our teenhood is our own experience. And I think um, a lot of people will uh, make it about them, a lot of parents. And it's not about you. It's about them. First of all, they didn't ask to be born. Okay. They didn't. They're there. And it is our job. I believe our only job as parents is to help them be the people they were meant to be, not the people we want them to be. So I made a very conscious decision in actually around the ages that your daughter is now, your daughter's 10. Mm -hmm. Is that middle school? Remind me. Is no, she's fourth grade. Fourth grade. Okay. Yep. So be I believe between the ages of fifth and eighth grade, which is deemed like those middle school years, that is where you are just all in. Like if you were playing poker, you are taking all your chips and you are putting them in. Okay. That is really where it's not about you. They don't even like you. They don't care what you like. They don't care what you say, but they, they don't do what you do. They don't do what you say, but they do what you do. And I noticed at that time that my daughters were watching me. They were watching me. They were watching everything I do, you know, everything I did. And I was running at the time a very, very successful um, restaurant that I owned and operated myself. And I knew that I could continue to make boatloads of money or I could shift my focus to my kids. So I did something radical and I sold my business. I sold it in 30 days, sight unseen without listing it. And I never looked back. So I would consider that a successful exit because I realized that I didn't have a redo with my kids, but I always knew I could make more money and I have, and I went all in. And what I mean by that is I was watching and I was listening. I wasn't always talking, which is hard to believe because I like to talk a lot and I would listen. And I was more interested in having them develop how they saw themselves versus how I saw them. And what I would share with them is that, you know, when you have a kid, you love it no matter what, right? That's, that's what nobody told you. They certainly didn't tell us that growing up, but you love it no matter what. It doesn't matter where they go to college. It doesn't matter what they accomplish. It doesn't matter. You love your child. So I'm like, if you're doing any of the things that you're doing to make me happy, please stop. 
okay? It is about empowering you. So I really, really focused on those years. So by the time my girls got to high school, I didn't have any issues. I raised them. I was a single mom for most of it. And I raised them. I did not have any issues. I, listen, did we scream at each other a bunch of times? Like my best friend was sitting next to me now. She'd be like, come on, Joe. You know, they get to you. But I don't... I literally won the lottery when it came to these girls. Like that is, I was really lucky that way, but I did lay the groundwork um, and a lot of empowerment around the ages, you know, of fifth grade to eighth grade. And well, you, you said something there about lucky and I, you know, for me, this has been um, a very motivational piece for myself but luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, but you prepared, right? So you went learning, you went thinking, you spent time deciding like how you wanted them to feel about things like you prepared. And when those opportunities came up, you were able to, to take them. And you know, it happens in the business world and in like the real estate world a lot. I get people, I get real estate investors ask me questions all the time. Like, Oh, you know, uh, I'm, I got to find the right property. And I'm like, well, can you buy it today? And they're like, no. And I said, you're not, you, you, you can't. Like, you're going to go look for a property. Your opportunity is going to come and you have no preparation, man. And the same thing I think works with our kids. Like when we're intentionally listening to things or reading or trying to like think about like, I'm going to love them anyway. So I'm going to go tell them that, you know, when this comes up and I see them frustrated or you, you just know when they're trying to do something to please you, but they don't want to be doing it, then you're going to say this to them, right? And that preparation is there. And so like you said, now you're sitting with two girls going into college, right? An economics major, I think you told me. Uh, another yeah. one wants to be a doctor. You yeah. feel like you got lucky, but you prepared this time for that to be there. And it's, uh, you know, um, I believe I told my son this morning, um, he actually, he so he's been finding change a lot lately. He's seven, but he found a, uh, a fortune cookie that was on my desk. I have, I didn't even know it was there, right? And so like I, he comes in, he's like, when are you going to open this? I'm like, dude, I didn't even know that was there. And he like opens it up, reads it. He's like, do you think these are real? And I was like, only if you believe in them. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you're lucky if you believe you're lucky. You're unlucky if you believe you're unlucky. I said, it's just the way you look at the world, man. And so now he's been finding change and he's been walking around like, he came in this morning. He's like, I finally found a quarter because he's always been finding dimes and pennies and stuff. He's like, I found a quarter. He's like, I got to be the luckiest kid on the planet. I'm, I'm finding change. I'm so lucky. And then like, you just see these little seeds that you plant, right? So I, you know, that's such a great analogy that, first of all, that's so sweet. Uh, I remember what it feels like to find a quarter at seven years old. You're like, wow, you know, and especially if it's your goal. I think what's interesting is I, yeah, I don't really believe in luck. I, I don't know why I, I use that word. Uh, you know, I, you kind of called me on it, which I get. I, I believe in intention yeah, and the absolutely. power of intention and being your version of excellent and whatever that means. So I um, would model a lot of behavior and some bad behavior at, at some times. And when I would see it come back to me in a different form, like, you know, 31 years younger and like a lot cuter than me looking at me sassing the same way I had just sassed, I'm like, oh, I need to adjust my behavior because she's watching me. Okay. 
And I'm a very, I, I don't know if you get the vibe. I mean, I'm Greek. I'm extremely authentic. So I have one mode. I mean, this is a big joke for everybody that knows me. If I'm in a boardroom, if I'm in a church, if I'm wherever I am, I have one mode. Okay. I mean, I was about to have like breast cancer surgery. I had one mode in the OR. Okay. I'm going to have a little humor. I'm going to say it like I see it. But with my daughters, I really, I always led with, I'm going to be the most excellent I can be. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to have my moments. That doesn't mean they're not going to see me be vulnerable. That does not going to, that's not going to mean that they're not going to see me fail. Failure is the greatest teacher we have. Okay. And I would really focus on who they were as people and the women they were developing into being versus what they accomplished. Because a lot of times if you ask somebody or every time I will, who are you? They'll tell you what they've done, right? Kind of like when we intro in a podcast, it's like, all right, here's the MO, but it always makes me so uncomfortable when I'm on a podcast right? and somebody's I reading. I, I don't even know where to look. I'm just like, uh, like, I don't, that's not like, there's just things I did. Like, I don't I, like, yeah. I wrote an entire <laughs> book with no problem. And then I struggled for six weeks to write a bio about myself. <laughs> I, I finally like called my editor. And I'm like, I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. But the, the point is with, with these, the women that I've ra helped raise that I've raised, I never even opened their grades. Okay, beyond elementary school where they really need you, once they become accountable, it was all about empowering them to be the best versions of themselves and reminding them that if they showed up in an excellent way, they were enough, no matter what the outcome was. I'm like, let go of the outcome and it will happen. And I and watching them, they're very, very different personalities. My oldest one is an artist and super duper creative. She's studying economics, which I find very fascinating. And the younger one is a STEM girl, science, public speaker, uh, all that. They're, they're very, very, very different. How did they end up literally, you know, almost on parallel paths academically and everything. And yet I, I never opened the report cards. I'm like, these are not my grades. They're your grades. I would hand it to them. And they'd say, mom, well, don't you want to see other parents, you know, and I never rewarded or anything. Why am I rewarding? I mean, like you're just doing your job, right? Like, so I, I would say they would get excited about a grade and I would say that's so great, but I never put the emphasis on the results. Mm. And that's what was so interesting. I'm like, you're there to learn. If you, if you start to enjoy the learning, you will be an excellent student. And and that psychology, that's how I, that's how I've been successful in my businesses. I always start with the why, yeah. and then I work backwards. If you, if you know the why, then you figure out the what, and then the result is always beautiful. And that's what I coach my, when I work, when I mentor, cause I'm not an official coach. So I don't, and I don't ever intend <laughs> to be. So when I mentor, even when I do it in companies, uh, around strategy, or if I mentor, oh, women that I work with one-on-one, -on -one, I don't, I always start the, the first month working with me of my program. All we do is uncover the why we go deep, we go deep. And there's no way that you can have long, and you know this because you are long-term successful. There is, because you can achieve goals, you can achieve highs, you can make money, you can lose it again, all this big circle, right? 
But if you don't know and get clear on your why, you are wasting your time and you're wasting everybody else's time because it's not authentic, it won't last, and you might have some hits here or there, but you're not fulfilled. You're not fulfilled. So what I always ask myself when I'm doing something or even if it's you know in, in business, I'll say to myself, if somebody gave it to me for free, would I want it? And if the answer is no, I know it doesn't align with my why. I'm very clear about my why. So, I, so, so the first four weeks, we focus on the why. And the second four weeks, we focus on the what. Okay? And then that's easy. It's a custom plan. I build, I build it out. And I literally, you know, show you how to get there, but I hold your hand. There are three types of women that I... I'm going to break them down into three categories, all right? When you're down in the ditch, like I had been, I've been divorced, I've lost a parent, I've uh, had cancer, you know, you're down in a ditch, right? When you're down in a ditch, there's the woman that comes and looks at you and says, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I love you. You're in my prayers. That's, you know, please, you know, I, I wish the best for you and your family. That's woman number one. Woman number two is going to kneel down next to you and she's going to hold, she's going to rub your back and she's going to tell you it's going to be okay. She's going to tell you it's amazing and she's going to bring over a casserole and she's going to think about you. Woman number three, she gets in the ditch with you. She picks you up and she puts you on her shoulders and you, and you skyrocket higher. And that's the woman I am. And that's the woman, those are women I'm surrounded by in my foxhole. So I have won the lottery, the friend lottery, but I am that woman. I get in the ditch because I've been there. So I'm not scared. I'm not scared because I always know you can climb out and I will hoist you up on your, on my shoulders when you can't stand on your own because I have been there. I have been there not once, but three times so far. Okay. And in doing that, you have this metamorphosis. And if you know, sometimes when somebody believes in you so much, you start to believe in yourself. And then the magic happens. So I don't know. There you go. You got me all no. emotional. <laughs> That's my job. Yeah. You said some words in there that I, I, I'm listening to myself talk a lot of times when you're talking about this stuff, like for me, uh, the words, the, the intention, uh, is so much more powerful to me. Like I, 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 that's one of my favorite words. Um, it's also my favorite way of identifying how I will deal with people, I guess will probably be the best thing is I try to look at the intention, not the outcome. And, uh, you know, I kind of wrote this little thing down, um, the how, I feel like the how is what stops most people from pursuing something that they want to do because mm -hmm. they have it in their own limiting belief in their head that says, well, I don't know how to do that. That's the easiest part. So easy. <laughs> because you're an entrepreneur. We're the, entrepreneurs. Yeah. So we don't get that when people are like, but how? But you had failure always... too. You've had failure and you've had success. So like eventually yes. like you have to do when you've had these big losses. Right. And we both talked about us offline, but like, we, we both lost our parents and our teams, right? 
lost a parent in the teens and like what's bigger than that right what, after like, that it was like what's what what's gonna hurt me if i borrow a million dollars what are you gonna do to me right because you can't do anything you, i don't really not that's not this right and so i've always had that mentality um you know have i has it burned me yeah but you know what i know way i know the way to do not to do things that you don't know how to do i don't tell you but like general people don't know how to what not to do because i took some big swings and you know what i struck out some big times but i know how to hit the ball now Right. And so when I look at this and I, I know, I think about the things that stop people from pursuing their why is because they put that how brick wall in front of them first. Right. And they use that as an well, they excuse. Do that. They do that, Cody, but they also do this. Okay. They listen to other people, right. That are putting their own fears on them. Let me tell you what one of my greatest motivators was ever, ever. My mother, who is a, I mean, you talk about American dream successful entrepreneur. That's my mother. She started in her forties. My dad died. Like, I'm so sorry you lost your dad. My dad died when I was 16. You become fearless, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we also have like our guardian angels as well walking with us. So that makes you like, I, I feel like every doctor's appointment I've ever went in. And especially during the pandemic, everybody said, you, Oh, it's so scary. You're going alone. I'm like, I'm never alone. I'm never alone. I never walk alone. Anyway, sidebar, but my mother, who is a successful entrepreneur in the American dream, a strong woman, she sat on the couch with me once and she said, you know, Joanna, this was after a business failure. Maybe it's time for you to give up and go back to the corporate world. She could have killed me, Cody. She could have <laughs> killed me right there. And I was like, I, I lost it inside and I thought this is exactly what I needed. And I picked myself up and I just put one foot in front of the other. And I love figuring things out. And this is why companies use this, you know, use me and use my methodology is they're pivoting or they want to increase sales or something like that. They bring me in because I'm, I look at it from a bird's eye and I can identify where the, the, the problems are, make the changes, we modify, and then we have a new direction towards a more you know, successful path, on a more successful path while reducing resistance. Can we talk about resistance and for, for once? Like I know you said offline, right? Can we talk about like how our children sometimes don't want to do things that we want them to do because we we know it's good for them right well, oh, we're yeah. raising children right no 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 this is this is the important part of things where like being able to uh what would i the way would i characterize or characterize this would be um i feel like well resistance is a big piece of it i feel like the, it's one of those things that's like the harder you push the harder it pulls pushes back mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so there's no, there, you, we're not identifying benefit <laughs> to the other person to, to, for motivation pieces, but I want to hear your perspective on this. Okay. So I have a three-step methodology that is the foundation of all of the work that I do. And the reason why I'm sitting in front of you today. Okay. That, that's it. It's, it's really that simple. I uh, learned from healing uh, from ca through cancer that there's a step that we are not taught. Okay. That creates a lot of resistance. Okay. So let's break it down. It's a three-step method. It's acceptance, gratitude, and movement. All right. That's the, those are the three pillars 
of the methodology that I eat, breathe, and sleep, and then I teach other people, and it's transformed lives. My own first, but many, many after. My uh, biggest lesson from my greatest teacher, which was cancer, is that we are told, and I, we are told to be thankful. We are told we should have gratitude and we'll have more. How many seminars have you heard this in? One of the very first words across any language that you learn as an infant or a toddler is the word thank you. It's almost become robotic. That's all we do. We teach our children. You say thank you. You say thank you. You say thank you. But we don't mean it. Yeah, we don't feel we it. We don't mean it. We don't feel it. Most of the time. Right? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why, and, and I realized when I had cancer that, you know, people would say to me, you know, define the gratitude. And I knew that it would work, but I didn't know how to do it. I, I didn't know how to do it. I was in so much resistance. I was in so much, a vortex of resistance, okay? And I knew if I could get to authentic gratitude that I would really heal, that I would start to heal along with my doctors, along with the major surgery I had, along with my holistic work, all of it. But I knew that if I could not align and get to authentic gratitude, it didn't matter. I was never going to get well, ever. And I would miss the whole point of cancer. But there's always a point. And so I thought to myself, how am I going to get to authentic gratitude? I mean, I didn't really sit down and have this conversation, but that's what I was striving for through the whole time. And that's what my whole book is about. I didn't realize until after the fact that what was my, my, that was not my point. But I realized that there's a step missing that we're never taught, that we don't teach our kids. And this is why people are out there saying thank you, not meaning it, living in resistance. You need to get to acceptance first. You need to really surrender to whatever the circumstance is. I'm not saying you need to like it. I'm not even saying you need to spin it into some fake, oh, I'm so glad it went. No, 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 no. All you need to do is say out loud, I accept this. Let's use your own example today. You were stuck in traffic on the way to our podcast. It was an accident. You're late. There's By accepting that that's what happened, you didn't have any resistance around you. Okay? Everything just ebbed and flowed. You didn't even realize you were doing it. It ended up actually working out better because it gave me some time to do something that I really, that needed my attention in a very timely matter, right? So once you, we teach our children, the, the first thing, instead of saying thank you, what we need to focus on first is accepting what is. Now I say this as a highly high achieving successful person. I'm not saying lay down and take it. No, what I'm saying is accept the circumstance as it is. From there, no matter how hard it is, you find a spark of something to be genuinely grateful for. And if I can do this for cancer, anybody can do it about anything. And for me, it was, this, for me, for me, it was time. I had it taken away from me. Right? See, I, I had worked in a position where I was working 70 to 80 hours a week when my kids were young. And then it was a business. And then it started eating me alive. And I couldn't get out of it. I mean, I, I could have, but I couldn't. 
also, you know, the same thing. So when I was able to sell that company, like, I'm grateful that I get to come have a podcast with you. Even though I was late and I was calling and this, this, like I, like you said, the acceptance stage came from knowing that there's an alternative, right? Because I had, had it taken had, from me before. Right. <laughs> and I realized now that, that yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it right? doesn't, yeah. So those, the, it, there's a calming piece to that. I think that's what a part of the acceptance is, is that it doesn't mean from what I'm understanding and what you're saying too as well, like it doesn't mean you just have to take what life has given to you, but you don't have to react in any other way that you, that you society deems you normally should. Right. Like I didn't need to be upset. I could be happy or pissed or whatever, but like, I need to accept, look, this is happening. All right. What am I going to do about it? And I'm happy to be able to deal with it. <laughs> you know, And sometimes you can't do anything about it. That's uh, the other thing. And you don't, right. and, and so the step one is the, is this, this acceptance, yeah. right? And then you have to really intentionally, there's the word we love again, with mm -hmm. clear and pure intention, find something to be grateful for about that. Okay? Something very simple, doesn't need to be complicated. This will become instinctual when you start to practice it in your day-to-day -day irritating situations. Then it will become an instinct, it will become a, mu it's a muscle. And this is what I work with people to develop. And then the third part, the third step happens without you even noticing. That's the beauty of it. You move right through it. And you, you become an, an actor in your own life versus being acted upon. Okay? You're the leading, you're the star in your own life. And we forget that sometimes. And so these three steps, that is that, that, that are the pillars is what cancer taught me. And I then heal from cancer and I step right back into my life of resistance. Okay. Cause I'm cancer free and blah, blah, blah. And now my old patterns are creeping up again. And it wasn't until my daughter's, my oldest daughter's college application process, which was pandemic year, she was, it was, it's crazy. It was a crazy kind of scenario. Anything that could have kind of gone wrong or against was going that way. And it wasn't until I saw my own child suffering that I remembered what I had done to heal from cancer. And I broke it down into these three steps and I taught it to her and she started to practice it. Well, let me tell you, energetically and in every single way, Within two days of her practicing this methodology, everything turned around for her. And I can't even tell you, I mean, she landed at one of the best schools in the world. And that is just an amazing, I mean, she deserves, she did the work, right? But I thought, oh, I know what to do. And that's when I started to teach it to other people. Yeah. I'm like, if she can have... You know, like any mother or father listening right now, all you want to do is help your child when they're in pain, right? But the only way we can help them instead of taking, sometimes we're taught societally, take the pain away or make it easy for them. I, I didn't want to do that because that wouldn't, that's not teaching, right? Parents mm -hmm. or teachers. I wanted to empower her with a tool and a methodology that she could take for the rest of her life when the bad things happen because they do happen, Okay.
Let's give a man, give give a man a fish or or teach him to fish. Right. And so I I love this idea because I, I have said it kind of differently in this, but the movement side of it, I've always, when people bring problems and I don't get upset about them and I look at them, I go, okay, like you've got it all out now. Like, okay, so let's, let's just analyze really where we're at. Is it as bad as you think it is? No, it's okay. All right. Now, what are we going to do about it? Right. When you turn that med, that mode, that last piece into going to take action, to go do things. Yeah. That's, that's you, you've, I, 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 but I 100% agree with you on the acceptance piece being the first one that is skipped consistently because we have to get out how we're wronged, right? We have to get out how these, this is unfair. It's not my fault. It's so-and-so's fault. Like, instead of just realizing this is a situation where we're in this, who cares? Who cares? You know, and it's like, this is the situation we're in, okay? Like, we have the ability to solve this. Like, we, we're smart people. You're a smart person, or I'm a smart person, or this is my business challenge, and this is what I'm here to do, and I'm happy I get to do these things. Now, what am I going to do about it? Like those are yours is way more eloquently uh, spoken than mine, but that same pattern, when that slight switches, you can handle anything, (laughs) you know, you can handle, you can handle lawsuits. You can handle, you know, like you said, like college acceptance and defining where you're going to go in your life, like all these kinds of things, but also breaking it down into the daily stuff, because that's really where the, that's what really affects us. Right. So do you know why I approached my life differently when I got di- so when I got diagnosed with cancer in September of 2019 I thought if I handle this the same way that I handled everything up until this point it's not going to work. Yeah. What what gave you that what di- gave you that so what that gave you that cancer? thought? Sorry? What gave you that thought? Because I was living in fight or flight and stress. I was always on the out from the outside looking in everything always looked perfect and I had had a lot of success and I had these, you know, I had this, this dream life, what people would deem a dream life. I was miserable. I was so unhappy and I was constantly in a state of stress, which I believe ultimately grew the tumor in my body and made me pay attention to myself and really shift the talk about paradigm. I had to change everything about myself. And that's how I got to my real self. Isn't the most most amazing part about that, though, that you had that ability all the time? Didn't that blow your mind? exactly why I do this (laughs) work right now. Did it just blow your mind, though, when you're like, wait, the world isn't the way the world is. It's the way I've been looking at it. Like, it's just, it's such a hard concept to explain for me, to explain for people. But I I went through a transition like that. And I was like life-changing okay crazy yeah but at the same time it's like it's like this it's like when you have when your kids are little and you're like don't touch that it's gonna burn don't touch it it's gonna burn don't it and they finally touch it and they get burnt and then they're like ouch that's exactly what happens because i didn't have although i read a lot i study a lot i i have amazing people around me i have mentors i did not feel with all my accomplishments or anything else that I was worthy. Okay. That was my, that is the root. That was the root of my issue. Okay. I did not feel that I was worthy. And that's what ties into that whole relationship with money and everything else that goes along with it. Right. It's your own self-worth. 
And although you can appear to be confident or outspoken and all this, those things were just personality traits. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing like an outspoken woman who can kind of mask it because she feels so unworthy inside. And that was me. That was me for 47 years. And it wasn't until I had to fight for my life. And I don't use the word fight. That's wrong. I never, I thought fighting causes resistance. I'm going to surrender to this. I'm going to accept the one thing I never wanted to accept, which was cancer. And through that, I'm going to reach authentic gratitude and I'm going to move through this, which is exactly what happened, right? Ended up becoming the best thing that could have happened to my business and everything else, right? By default and my daughter and everything else. However, it wasn't until I truly stepped into my own worth. I, I had to fight. I had to, I had to claim my life. I was either going to die or I wasn't going to live. So I had to deem myself worthy. And that's that. And from there, that's when it all started. And it happened very quickly after that. And I don't know that I would have been ready to receive the message at a different time in my life. I believe that everything happens in the right time. I, I talked to you about this before in a sense that you are, and a lot of my mentees are in their 20s. I absolutely, I, I love working with the 20-somethings. I mean, you work with the parents and the younger ones, but like the 20-somethings to me are like the effervescence of just, it's like the cusp. It's like the first time in your life that you're into this kind of pseudo adulthood and the decisions that you make are kind of like, they're, they're not as in, they're impactful, but at the same time, you can kind of get out of them easier. Yeah. Time to get it. Yeah. Time to fix it. <laughs> you got time to fix it. So well, that was what I, I, when I told you my story earlier about being 27 and being on paper of being a millionaire and 28 being like ungodly, you know, in the hole, uh, yeah. I knew that was the risk I was taking. Yeah. And uh, funny enough, what the weird conversation that me and my partner had at the time who I grew up playing baseball with, uh, it was, we actually said, well, didn't Donald Trump file bankruptcy seven times? Like we could just file bankruptcy or something. Like we, I remember just being like, let's just borrow all this money and see if it works. And we were like, we were like, we're like 24. <laughs> so we're like, let's just do it. Like somebody's offering it to us. Yeah, let's just do it and see what happens. Worst case scenario, we'll, we got 50 years to fix it. We'll, we'll, we'll just fix it. And sure enough, we took off like a rocket and then it turned into a bottle rocket and blew up. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I, I was that. Like I was that, like, you know what? I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we got, let's go take it a shot. You know, shoot our shot. I was like, but, 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 I was like, happening now. but I didn't want to be 40. I, I didn't want to get to 45 and say, man, I wish I had tricked my, I wish I had taken a shot. Right. And at that point, the mortgage, the car, the debt, the house, the family, the kids, like I knew at 24 single guy, I'm like, what's the worst that could happen to me? And that's what we talked about earlier. Of like when my dad died, like, I'm like, what? So what? I borrow a million bucks. So what? what's the worst I gotta do? File bankruptcy, whatever. You know, I'm going to shoot my shot and see what happens. And uh, it was scary. It was fun. I learned a whole lot. I learned a whole lot about what not to do. And then I learned a whole lot about myself, uh, which were a lot, what are the things that I don't actually know. And there was a lot more there than I thought. <laughs> well, thank God for that. <laughs> it was a lot more that I didn't know. Right. But I had to have that honest conversation. And kind of like what you said, you know, earlier, 
I, there was a point when your mom said that to you, right? Like she said, Hey, you know, uh, you probably should probably just go back and work for somebody else. Right. And was like, what? Like that somebody telling me I can't do something. And it was like, it's just, ah, uh, and I remember, I remember three months after kind of sitting in my foreclosed condo, just sitting on the back porch with my wife. Cause I have nothing to do, no job, no prospects, no nothing. And she just looked at me, she's like, like, you, you're not a sad person. Like, what, what are you going to do about this? And I remember that moment being like, I'm a, I, I'm not a sad person. What do you mean? Am I sitting here looking like a, I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting here looking like I'm, I, I'm moping. Like, I don't mope. Like what, what am I going to do? I don't know, but I'm going to do something. I'm not going to sit here and mope. That's for sure. And that was kind of my spark was like that, you know, I, I realized that I was telling myself I couldn't, I couldn't do anything anymore. I had actually you know, it's, challenged it's myself. It's an interesting perspective now. I mean, you're 42, right? Yeah. I'm 49. I'm turning 49 in a few weeks. And what's interesting in, in, in having these relationships with the 20-somethings that I do have, um, it's fascinating to me that I think they have it a lot harder than we did in our 20s. Okay, you're like, you know, seven years behind me age-wise, but, you know, around the same well, back, right? Like yeah. we kind of figured well, it out. Well, the world's changed a lot in 20 years. The, the world has changed a lot. So I am, I have a daughter who's almost 20, right? So this is what happens now in, in the twenties and, and all the women that I work with are super accomplished. I mean, basketball, like really, really successful, really driven, you know, brilliant, kind, philanthropic. I mean, you name it, it is unbelievable. And yet they live splintered lives. And I'm not saying the women that I work with, I'm talking about the 20 somethings in general. This is a bold statement. So all the parents that are parenting now, the younger kids that are listening to your podcast, they're raising the almost 20 somethings. Okay. So this is the foundational work that you need to do. They are afraid to make a mistake. They're paralyzed by decision because think about it. They've never known a world without Google. An judged. answer is just click, click away. They're judged They've constantly. never known a world without social media. Yep. Okay. So they live the life that they live in real life, like inside in the human life. And then they have the perceived life and the real them is somewhere in between. So it's, it's, it's splintered and it's not, it, it's really unfortunate because when you and I made a mistake in our twenties, what, your wife knew about it, your best friend knew about it, maybe your parent, whatever, they knew about it, right? Your mom knew about it. If you told now, them. Now, <laughs> 2,000 people know about it oh, in three seconds. That's not fun. I don't care who you are or how um, strong you are inside. That's just not a good feeling. And people will get on that bandwagon a lot of times. And they'll just... So, what I do and a part of the work that I do with them is to really encourage and support them. And that's why I offer a club, you know, I call it, it's the mindset mentor club. It's a subscription based club that anyone, I made it affordable. So anybody could join like all my, as an entrepreneur and a businesswoman, and it doesn't make any sense on paper, but it's not, it's not about the money for me in that club. It's about the passion and creating community. And it's a, a monthly club where I give two keynotes to this group specifically, and we break it down to empower them, to give them the confidence to make a mistake where I share the hundreds of mistakes that I've made because it's easy for them to look at 
you know, the airbrushed photo, the, you know, Christian <laughs> Louboutin, you know, $1,000 shoes, the, the Porsche, all of the stuff. And to think, and I'm like, oh, girl, you don't know what it took to get here. Okay? You don't know. There were a lot of humbling moments and a lot of mistakes. And I share my mistakes with them. Okay? I share my current mistakes and I share my past mistakes. So it makes them feel okay because they should feel okay. You're here to make mistakes. You're here to grow. You're here to learn. And I'm very comfortable with my, with mistakes. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's one of my uh, superpowers. I forgive and I expect to be forgiven. Yeah. And that's for, that. For, forget your, forget fast, right? <laughs> learn, learn yeah, fast, learn that. fast and forgive, forget fast. Right. Yeah. And I didn't do that yeah. until I got cancer. I held on to stuff. Oh man. Well, I'll tell you. So I interviewed the guy who's, who wrote the code that started Carvana, which is the largest, uh, on, it's not just the largest online, it's the largest used car dealer in the world now. And, um, he, uh, he was like, yeah, he's like, I started off because I was trying to flip cars off of Craigslist in my dorm room. And he's like, I needed to sell two a month to be able to eat. And he goes, I spent 10 years writing this code and living on couches and eating things. And he goes, the first headline I ever wrote, I ever read when anybody found out about my software was I was an overnight success. And he was like, you have to remember, he was like, the Instagram post was I was an overnight success. They didn't see the 10 years of me sleeping on a couch and doing odds and ends jobs with my code writing while I was sitting in a dark room with three roommates I didn't like, you know? He's like, you didn't see those 10 years. You only saw overnight success sells code to Carvana. And he was like, I was, he was like, I got rich real quick, but it was 10 years of hard work to get there. And so, um, I want to ask you this said to me, that's a, that's a really good point. I have to, I have to, I, yeah. you know, everyone has said to me recently because I've had a lot of success very, very recently. Okay. Like I, I don't want to say out of nowhere cause I know exactly where it came from, but it's preparation met opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> you got lucky. And, Right. <laughs> and, people will say, and I've had other other successes in the past business wise, but I am looking right now. I'm I am like in it and I'm so I, I'm grateful for every single second. And people will say and my and I've got my, you know, my pod, my foxhole, my my ladies in my foxhole. And they say to me, Joanna, this is 27 years. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. It has been, it is not overnight. It is not so, it is our responsibility to take all of this data and this information and this experience and to skip two generations behind and to sit with these women and to, and to lift them on my shoulders and to pick them up and to say, you know, you can do it too, but you don't need to fall in the ditch as many times as me and you can stay healthier doing it. Let me show you how. Yeah, you're going to have different it. ditches. That's what lights me up. They're going to run into different ditches, but you can keep them out of the ones that you fell into somewhat, but you can keep them out of the ones that you fell into. So hopefully they can do greater things. And that's the whole point of this podcast, right? Is that our parents, that, that we're forcing these conversations into our household so that our kids can build off of what we've built and they can do greater things than we've ever done. And so um, with that, Joanna, uh, who should come find you and where they find you at? They can find me um, at www.joannachanis.com. That's my website. That's I answer all the emails. Um, I, I look at all that. I curate all the content. Um, they can also follow me on Instagram, which links to, to everything, which is at Joanna Chanis, keeping it consistent right there. 
That's who it. should who should come find you? What, what kind of person should come seek you out? Any woman who needs some help or support in figuring out where she wants to go and wants an easier path to get there. Yeah, I love that because <clears throat> I don't care how what talented of you are an athlete without some guidance from the right kind of mentors out there, it's hard to get to the uh, it's hard to get to the Super Bowl. So. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing out there and, uh, and helping the female struggle along and get to the next step and identify those whys. And uh, again, the how is usually the easier part, but that's where you can, you can leverage experience in the how side. So thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate it, John. I've had a great conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram, at The Money Talkers, for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker